Good afternoon. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and our blog. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system strategy or recommendation. We're not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be correct. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivatives. Today is October 14th. Andy LeBeau, are you there? Colbert. I'm glad we're able to uh, to do this podcast. We have we have so much to talk about. We always say that, but it's really true this time. This time it's true. So <laughs> just Andy, just get us uh, tee it up here. Uh, October fourth, we had the OPEC meeting. Didn't seem like a big event, but the market rallied. Um, just you want to talk about what what happened and yeah, uh, I, uh, OPEC prior to the meeting, some of the delegates floated a trial balloon that uh, said they were going to increase production by double uh, the amount that, that they had already told the market they were increasing, uh, which would be their, their plan was to increase 400 a month. And all of a sudden, they put out this trial balloon that they were going to increase 800,000 barrels a day uh, a month. or it was, it was unclear. But uh, as the meeting went on, that trial balloon got, got shot down. And uh, they only increased by 400,000 barrels a day, or in other words, they, uh, they stuck to their plan. And uh, the, the plan continues to work for them, at least. The next day, the market rallied sharply, uh, relieved that it wasn't going to be an 800 a day increase. And the market has basically been going up since, since that day. Um, you know, and irregularly, uh, I think within OPEC, um, as much as they say that they are managing the market and, and keeping things calm, obviously with prices where they are here, uh, which as we speak is uh, $81 for uh, WTI and 84 for Brent, you know, they're, they're, they're more than happy to take those revenues right now, Jim. They're making their budgets. They're more than making their budgets. I don't think any of them had, uh, you know, had this number factored into their into their budget. So, you know, th- this is all bon- this is all bonus for them. And uh, I think for now, they weren't they weren't ready to, um, you know, to rock the boat any. You know, it it seems like there's a uh, perfect storm for higher prices and and you know, think about natural gas and some of the other commodities and oil too. We just had uh, three of the big supply demand reports come out, the IEA, uh, the U.S.'s EIA earlier this week, and, and OPEC. And can you, let's, let's, why don't we just stick with the IEA or pick one that you want? What, what is it that they may have missed coming into this, uh, where we are now versus, uh, say, the last, few, last quarter or last few months? Yeah, because I, I don't think any of them had $80 as, as we had, you know, from, from their earlier reports, I think, you know, some of them 
during during the year have been bullish. Uh, some of the IEA reports have been uh, have been bearish. I think they probably didn't factor in what was going on in natural gas and in uh, in coal. The the big spikes in uh, in those prices, and I, I think it's been a uh, you know I think it's been a major factor. Uh, and we will talk more about that, not, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, I think demand is probably coming in uh, a little bit higher than they had uh, they had expected, slightly higher, and supply is, has been coming in slightly lower than they had expected. There've been some production issues in uh, in the U.S., a force majeure in Canada, a problem in uh, in Mexico. So crude production has been down a little, slightly lower than than what they had uh, what they had anticipated, and really stocks have drawn more. I think more than they had thought. Any of these, any of the agencies had thought uh, as we as we headed into the year. So the um, the IEA said something like uh, they're they're expecting five hundred thousand barrels a day more than they expected from September to the first quarter of, of 2022. I mean, that's a, that's a big, is that, is that, did they overestimate the Delta virus? Did they over underestimate the sort of the economy? I mean, what, what can you, can you get? Yes. I think, I think the answer is yes to both the IEA uh, lower demand because of the Delta virus. They just increased demand basically because of the um, potential for fuel switching for power uh, later in the later in the year. So um, you know, and, and as we've talked, Jim, you know, these demand numbers have been really hard to uh, you know get it get a handle on. You know, that we the, the revisions are hundreds of thousands a day. And, um, you know, I keep tweaking my own, uh, you know, my own balances uh, almost all the time. And they're, they're, just a, they're just a moving target. It's, it, the one thing that is that, that's shared by all the agencies and by all the banks is that is the expectation for a stock draw in the, uh, in the fourth quarter, which is why that OPEC meeting what uh, in retrospect was was uh, so important. If you take uh, OPEC, the EIA, and the IEA for fourth quarter, they average about one million barrels a day uh, of a stock draw. The and and we my number is one point three. I'm pretty I'm pretty close to the mean, which is unusual for me, but. Um, it, you know, gives me a little bit of confidence. But let's talk about the, that stock draw, Jim. Yeah, because you know, as we head into the third quarter, as we ended the third quarter, it looks like uh, we had a very big stock draw, uh, at least on OECD stocks of uh, about eighty million barrels, which is almost a million, but you know, another million barrels a day, where. Uh, 160 million behind the five-year average, so we're really low on uh, on inventory. And if we go, if we if you move forward for the fourth quarter, we're going to end up being 180 million barrels below the five-year average uh, by the end of the fourth quarter. It could be more than that, uh, depending on the depending on the weather. So the fundamentals, you know, they they 
they're bullish. Uh, they're definitely bullish, and uh, you know the market has has moved up, obviously uh, in response to um, the petroleum fundamentals, but also uh, undoubtedly the um, natural gas and coal fundamentals and the pricing that going on there has has also had a um, I, I think it's had a major effect, at least on sentiment. Yeah, I mean. After reading the IEA summary, you know, you come away from that as a raging bull. So, right. you know, they, I mean, they, they mentioned their, their 500,000 barrels a day increase in demand. I think a lot of it was attributed to uh, fuel switching. Right. Right. So, I mean, the question for our listeners is, is what's built into the price? Is it, is it, right. is $80 capturing, you know, this, draw going into the fourth quarter or is as that draw if that draw is correct which which it never is but if it's correct do we see higher prices ahead yeah and that's you know the, there is the art of try of trading right. is trying to figure out you know what point you know everything has gotten uh you know discounted uh, you know, is it 81? Is it the $81 WTI, $85, $90 WTI? You know, that, that's the, uh, there it lies, it lies the trick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just can't, I can't read anything today without it being crazy bullish, you know? And, and, uh, when I, when I, when, when I read the, something like the IEA, especially, um, cause they're so prestigious and I, and I come away feeling, you know, Wow, this market's going through the floor. Oh, I can't believe we're we're going so much higher. There tends to be a turnaround. I mean, I don't. I have to go back and look, but it, a lot of times it's like a it, it it's um you know the information gets out there uh, right. and the markets adjust and they go the other way. So is it? Do, do, do you think that's what what's possibly going on? Or are we going to have to wait through the winter and see if it's a uh, average, mild, or bitterly cold winter before we see the price outcome? Well, I, I, I can say this, that today we had inventories up by 6 million barrels, which bearish, actually. It's this, bearish is, this is the weekly numbers, right? This the is week the weekly EIA report that came out. The market was looking for maybe unchanged a little bit higher. And um, we're up a dollar. So it, it, it seems as, you know, it doesn't seem. I mean, you, there's, there's another trading tell. You know, when you get bearish news and the, and the market, you know, rallies further, it, it, it seems like, you know, it still has some it still has some room to move. And the yeah. other scary thing, Jim, <laughs> is that, you know, if you look at the commitment of traders, right, we're not even close to having the boat loaded. Right. You know, they're they're definitely long. They've gotten longer along the way. But you're right. There's still a tremendous amount of capacity for them to be, to go all in. Right. They're not, they're not there yet. I mean, then maybe that's part of this leg up, you know, this sec, this third, fourth, fifth, you know, the current leg up. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm asking you. How much, uh, is that how much anticipatory, anticipatory buying has already occurred so that, you know, we come into say November and we see some cold weather coming through and the market goes down. You know, it was yeah. one of the, sort of an opposite tell of what you just that, described. Right. And that could be, okay, you know, the, the, 
you know, that, that could be the party's over at that, at that point. But, you know, given the way the market has been acting here, you know, and, and looking, and also you look at the fundamentals besides, you know, all this, the, just the, you know, margins are pretty strong. Right. Uh, you know, not only here, but the European margins are, are decent. They, even Asia has, has shown some signs of uh, improving. So the, you know, the product end is, um, you know, rallying faster than the crude end. Look at these cracks. You know, they've gone into, you know, they've gone into hyperspace. Well, that's, I mean, demand, we, we have um, going into September and let's, t- let's talk about demand. Gasoline demand, for example, is still fairly strong for sort of the end of the driving season, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Gasoline demand has been, has been very solid. Uh, I think we had it uh, about, you know, came in the gasoline demand for the driving season came in, you know, right. I think a little bit above expectations, you know, we're not where we were pre pandemic, but you know, it's right around where guys like me thought it would be. Right. Uh, and so far as we headed to October, the gasoline demand, the numbers are, are still pretty solid. Yeah. And, and diesel. Diesel also diesel, diesel never had the big, you know, you know, diesel demand has been good, you know, for months now. Right. Um, Throughout. Yeah. 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 I mean, even, even, you know, in the pandemic, obviously, you know, in 2020, it took a, it took a big hit, but not, not as much as gasoline. Right. uh, Because we, we all were demanding goods and that's still, you know, that's still going on. So diesel demand, you know, also pretty, pretty solid. And um, are you seeing any, like, inc- I mean, it looks like jet fuel as well, or, or is that still lagging? Like we, yeah, it's lagging. Jet, jet fuel is lagging, but globally there are more, there are more flights being um, scheduled. The, um, you know, a lot of these leading indicators are, are up for, uh, for jet fuel. Uh, I think some of the, as we know, some of the restrictions are, are uh, being lifted. So you might have some longer haul flights. So it looks as though jet fuel, it may not get back to pre-pandemic levels until, you know, maybe second quarter of next year or maybe later than that. But, you know, it, it's, it, it's, also in, it, it's also improving, uh, as is petrochemical demand. So you know, the, the, the demand side has been, you know, I, I keep using the word solid, but you know, that that's where it's, uh, you know, that that's where it's coming in. Uh, we'll probably this year, I'm looking uh, at the DOE numbers right now, and we're going to be up about uh, 1.4 million barrels a day in 2021. And in 2022, the DOE is saying it's 0.8 million barrels a day increase. I think it's going to be more actually because they're really they're, they're missing they're, on gasoline. They're really missing, I think, for next year. So this is a like a confirmation that the economy is really strong, or, or at least growing. And uh, I think a lot of people for this quarter have ratcheted down their ec- expectations for the economy, but mainly because of the delta variant but but uh pushing it forward into the next quarter and the quarter after that like there's still this pent up demand and maybe maybe the delta virus keeps it in check for a little bit but down the road 
it's it, it's we're still going to see strong growth in the economy going forward. And I guess my question is, you know, there's there's not just a price effect to energy. There's also an income effect, and incomes are up. You know, from the macro level, not obviously not individually, but um, is are people going to be paying these? Prices are they? You going to see? I, don't want, I hate to I hate the term demand destruction. Are you going to? Start, I know. Neither one of us likes that. Yeah, it's listen. If you look at a demand curve, price goes up, quantity goes down. Are you, are you, right. There's no evidence right. of that yet, right? Or no, no. they're no. real. No, they're really there. There isn't. At least that the you know gasoline prices. Let's talk about U.S. gasoline prices. The pump price, the average pump price right now on October fourteenth. Is three dollars and thirty cents, which ordinarily would, you know, you'd think that that would spark some uh, demand, you know, spark demand uh, declines. Has a you know where there is a decline seasonally, you know, that does that's just seasonality. But as I said, it's pretty solid. It's usually three fifty that really gets people out of their minds. But I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Yeah, if if if. if, if. If one wants to get out and go for a ride in their car, they're going, you know, they're going. I mean, and, I, yeah. And if they want, if they don't want to take the train to work, you know, they're driving. Right. And it seems like we have, even though people are still being delayed, companies are delaying the time to go back to the office. We seem to be at a high level since the pandemic of people going back to the office. So maybe that's contributing to uh, gasoline demand as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a uh, that's definitely a factor. I, I think that's a factor. Uh, so I, I don't see, you know, that they really have a soft first quarter next year. The EIA on gasoline demand, and I I think first quarter next year is going to be okay. I mean, it's soft seasonally, but I, I think it's going to be much higher than what they're saying or what they're saying. Much higher, you mean? In what? In, in demand. In, in demand. Gasoline demand. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're off by like 300,000 barrels a day. Oh, that's, that's so a big number. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we talk about, you know, what could derail this and what's, what's, the, what's the future, before we get into the next quarter, I just, I just want to uh, talk about uh, what we saw in options world where I, I spent a little more time. And um, it was kind of interesting that uh, after... Once we popped up above seventy-five dollars, we'd see these, um, you know, large uh, trading days on calls, not so much on puts. But as you might expect, the market's trading into new, new uh, ground. And um, but it wasn't like people. You, you didn't. You saw the open interest numbers were subdued. They were they were positive, but really small relative to what the size of the volume was. So it's kind of it's kind of like. Uh, if you looked at all the volume together, it looked like people were liquidating calls, but at the same time, maybe rolling up to new strikes or getting into new ones. And obviously, it's um, all traders are doing different things. But I'm just saying, when you collectively looked at it, that's that's what looked like it was going on. And you know, recall back in the first quarter, that's when we saw a lot of call buying for not only 2021 but 2022. So the so the top three. Out of, the, out of the top 10 open interest in calls, three of them are still in December of 22, led by the $100 call with 67,000. And so the, the uh, 98 calls, 32,000, that's number two. And so 
you know, it's not, there's not like a lot of open interest. It's spread out pretty, uh, pretty good. But my point is we, we just didn't see this crazy call buying. It was almost like the, the call market had anticipated um, this rally. They've been waiting for it for a long time. And now they get it and, and there, you see a lot of liquidation. On the put side, there, the volume wasn't, you know, wasn't as big as the calls. And this, this is in general, I'm speaking. But we did see open interest increase in puts more than calls. So, so perhaps we're starting to see, you know, there could be contrarians like me. That's, that's the way I would play this market if, uh, you know, if I, if I uh, wanted to play a downside because, you, you know, you just can't pick the top here. It could be producers saying, yeah, we got we had put something on because this market's really uh, soaring. But we did see, it, so again, it wasn't crazy, crazy stuff. It was just... Uh, the trend and and uh, in the, in the spread options, um, I don't know. We didn't talk about the structure yet, but uh, those were kind of subdued. We didn't see much volume in those. But um, so why don't we uh, why don't we talk about the the structure that the, the in crude oil, and um, before we go into the what 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 the outlook will be. Yeah, you know, Brent's been Brent's been pretty well has been backward dated for for months here around you know, 60 or 70 cents, but TI has been, you know, has been backwardated 20, 30 cents, something like that. And then all of a sudden on Monday, this, the Monday, the 10th, was it? 11th, uh, whatever Columbus day was the, the front month, Novi Deese just took off and, you know, it, it, it had, it had the smell of something's going on, but you don't know what, exactly what what it yeah. is. Yep. You know, it went up and you know went into the seventies, and it was like, oh my goodness, you know, we've seen these before. You don't know exactly what what's going on, and it has has since retreated. But nevertheless, that that was a you know that was a pretty big move on Monday. I think it retreated into the high fifties right now. But you look at like these red these. And it's almost seventy cents a month, uh, so the market, you know, is is expecting that things are going to remain remain pretty tight. That's those are big numbers, seventy cents a month backwardation. But they they are not coming up in the back now. I was just hoping that you would say something like this so we could go into, you know, the expectations. You say we're looking for big draws in the fourth quarter. Uh, when does it start to? turn around and maybe get, when do we get to see surpluses? Right. And that is probably going to be, well, that's probably going to be in the, at least globally, it looks as though the uh, first quarter looks as, as if it's going to be, we will see surpluses. We're looking for about a half million barrel a day surplus in the first quarter. OPEC is looking for a big surplus if you if you uh, try to impute what their production is going to be. But if if they produce you know increasing X number of barrels a month, you know it looks like they're going to they're calling for a 1.9 million barrel a day increase in the first quarter. Uh, the EIA is flat, and the IEA is also half a million barrels a day increase. So we, we it looks as though as we headed to the first quarter, and and for us we have an increase in this, the CRG. Uh, we're looking for an increase in the second quarter as well. Others not so much. So you know the production uh, should increase not only from OPEC but from uh, the plus part of OPEC. 
uh, Russia in particular. And we're, we are going to see U.S. producers be, increase in their business. We said at the out, outset of the podcast that there are, you know, they're already, they, they are increasing. We've seen, we've seen the rig count, you know, double from its lows just about. So I, I, I think production is going to increase faster than what the, the EIA is, is saying. Although, in fairness, I think I've been saying that every single podcast. Jim. Oh, me too. From the beginning of last year, I said these these once these guys get good oil prices, they're going to be producing like crazy. And uh, right, and they they've really been. You know, we see we've seen great discipline. You know, are you it's still you get up here, you, you just have to wonder because they they, you know, this is also part of their business. Are you surprised OPEC's been able to hold it together as long as they have? I mean, I I, I know last. It's really not that long because just about a year and a half ago, OPEC was falling apart. That's why we, that's why we got a minus forty dollar oil. And as, I mean, but so they they had that really disastrous. I think it was back in March of last year uh, meeting, and and ever ever since they got uh, they saw what could happen. Um, they've been kind of in line or, or very much in line. Are you surprised yeah. at that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, after I mean after. A few months of their, them doing, you know, month after month after month of, of doing what they said they were going to do. Uh, I guess by now it, it's less of a surprise, but you know, it's worked. The, the Saudi Russian strategy has worked, and for those producers who can't even make their their allotments, you know, the African producers in particular. You know they they can't even make what they're they're allotted. You know why not? You know you're going to go along with what the Saudis are saying because it's worked. Right. Uh, they also caught a uh, you know they they did catch a geopolitical break with uh, the uh, negotiations between the the U.S. and the the Iranians not getting restarted, and that that is you know maybe some point in the in the fourth quarter that they could restart there's there's no real indication of that uh which means that as we head into you know the first quarter of next year you know iranian barrels are unlikely to be coming onto the market so that that helped you know that was a tremendous help right right it's like opec is i don't know who's looking at whom but um they're looking at the fed this is some sort of reverse taper and they're just letting out a little bit, a few barrels each month, and and uh, so you you think in the first quarter of next year, with say the U.S. production, I guess Canada's had some issues, Brazil coming coming back, right. and yes. OPEC do it just sticking to their game plan. We we will see a surplus at some point, not a big yeah, one, but that's what the that's what the numbers look like. Again, that's based on. OPEC doing what they OPEC plus doing what they uh, right. uh, what they say they they're going to do, and I do think U.S. productions going to rise. Uh, some increase in Europe, Canada, you know, maybe more in the in the second quarter. Brazil fell short of what they were expected to, which you know has happened a number of times in the past, where you know they've had you know they've had big ambitions for the year and it sort of falls flat, which happened this year, incidentally. They were expected to increase production by 200,000 barrels a day. And, um, you know, it looks like they're going to be flat 
on the year. But next year they're due they're due for an increase of two hundred. Yeah, and you know, getting back to the IEA and OPEC, um, IEA was talking about OPEC surplus capacity sometime next year will be down to four million barrels from uh, I guess a recent high of nine million barrels, and and just, you know, kind of kind of hinting that's that's also also bullish and. Um, you know who's who's going to have the excess capacity? Is that all Saudi? Pretty much. Well, yeah. so, Saudi, the Persian Gulf producers, uh, who will also be increasing as the year as the year goes on. Remember, this deal ends April thirtieth, so we'll we'll you know we'll see what the next you know where the next strategy takes them. Russia has been, you know looking at the non OPEC. Uh, Russia has spare capacity. OPEC is saying that they think uh, Russia is going to increase by a million barrels a day uh, total liquids next year, and U.S. by like eight to 900,000 barrels a day total liquids. Mm. I, think that's, I think that's possible. I think, I, I, I think that's possible, if not plausible. And um, do, do you want to say anything about natural gas? Yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't really talked about the elephant in the room, Jim. <laughs> We have not talked about the elephant in the room. Yeah. So, uh, let me let me start off because, uh, you know, it's been a pretty cool, uh, cool. It's been an interesting option market. Um, I think I think we we got to the second uh, second highest uh, vol this time. Let's see. I'm looking at my numbers. Num- num- first time was uh, got up to based on my numbers. Uh, we got up to 140% implied volatility back in uh, the DEES of 2000, which I believe was the first time in the natural gas futures era that uh, prices got up to $10. So I don't know if you remember all those, you know, there were a lot of, I know there were a lot of locals on the floor that uh, had shorted those and, in, in, in you know, it's eights, nines, and tens. And, and they um, kind of, um, I don't know if they blew out totally, but they they got, they got hurt. And the the second time would have been the current situation. I have October of around 132, 130, 130s basically, and that's it's not over yet. You know, we get a cold cold winter. We could we could get you know even higher than that. And third was um, November of two thousand eighteen when we had that. Uh, I forget what the name of the company was. Optionsellers.com, something like yeah. that. We had a cold snap in November and it blew out all their short option positions and. They had to scramble to cover, but th- this is a um, this is a big move in you know in in volatility. So it's kind of a you know I got the long term chart. It sticks out amongst amongst a volatile chart over the years. And, it, yeah. and you notice I didn't mention Katrina. That was a that was a big spike, but not like not like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So what what else, Andy? This what is else? another one for the books, right? I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Street books. Yes. Um, and. We, you know, certainly we saw, I guess it was, was it late? Yeah, it was late last week when, when gas spiked to 650. Yeah. Uh, because Europe was going bananas. Yeah. Uh, Europe, I think that the Dutch TTF contract was traded up to $40. Yeah, crazy. It was crazy. I mean, there was definitely panic. You know, that was a panic in the air. And, right. And uh, it, it affected you know, it affected everything, uh, including, you know, including petroleum, obviously, because we're looking at, 
you know, the, the expectations are it could be as much as half a million to a million barrels a day of fuel switching for those utilities that can use uh, petroleum liquids uh, as, as an alternative to natural gas. And incredibly for, you know, it works, economically it works, but no one's done it yet. You know, that, that hasn't happened. Uh, but so this is all anticipatory buying as if, okay, if we have a cold winter, you know, demand's really going to spike. You know, speaking about not only, of course, in Europe, but China too is, is having its its issues where they're, they're having, uh, they put restrictions on utilities because of uh, lack of lack of coal. Uh, they now in, in you know, as, as we look ahead to uh, COP26 in Glasgow next month, you know, that they're pleading for their their mandating increase in, in in miners to increase production of coal. Yeah. Well I, I guess I should say right here my my name has nothing to do with coal. It's really <laughs> it's, it's an English uh, I think it means cold stream like a burn is a stream of water. I think my my family comes from a cold stream area in upper uh, England or southern Scotland. So it's got nothing to do with C O A L but um yeah, but that's nevertheless. The, nevertheless, the, yeah. Wish the coal burn, they will be. Yeah, <laughs> I probably get. Yeah, I get uh, people looking see if I want to go work in that industry on LinkedIn or something. I don't know. Um, but one thing I'm not saying, Andy, is is a spike. We've already. I mean, we had a big move up in in um, the carbon allowances in Europe, but recently it's come off its high and i don't know if that if that means anything if that's a, if that's a liquid enough contract to mean all these folks that are burning coal have uh locked up their uh emissions allowances or m- maybe it means nothing you know but but it has has come off its high so maybe we're going to see a little turning point and a lot of the anticipatory stuff has been done for the time being and um just hoping you know, we we see the volatility in weather. Hopefully, we'll get we'll get that 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 little higher trend of temperatures over the winter, so we can get a little break from uh, from what's going on here. The the do you do you look at the heating oil budget, Sandy, at all going forward? It, it looks like well, gonna... the, the government just put out. Um, yeah, did you see that end users are are going to be up? What was it, thirty to forty percent on uh, on heating oil? Yeah, it's, depending on what it's what you use. Moment. Yeah, so it's, 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 you're there's nowhere to hide basically. Whether you, well, you know, um, I yeah, guess, there's nowhere there's nowhere to hide. I no, that, that's uh, I try that, to. You know, it's funny when you get beat up in a market that's so volatile. You look for something that might trade, you know, a little more calmly. And so I looked. Uh, I was looking around. I was, I was looking at the old uh, standby oats. And it's it's in a raging bull market. I mean, it's it's. I put it on LinkedIn. I couldn't believe it. It's like, it's it, every you you can't hide. I mean, everything's going crazy. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely. The, yeah, you can't. Everything's going crazy. Uh, so you know, this inflation is, is definitely had a, inflation has had an impact. Although you know, commodities are causal. Um, not so much as a, not so much a result, but yeah, I, I have a little theory, uh, that I probably have mentioned before to you ad nauseum, but, um, you know, sometimes you see people going back and look at what, what, uh, presidencies have done well, what it's economically and which ones haven't. 
I always think it's it's uh, probably more accurate to look at where there were energy spikes. So if you think about the uh, Jimmy Carter administration, he he came smack into a, what a tripling of oil prices due to embargo. You know, George Bush the uh, senior had the you know Gulf War, and right after that there was a recession that you know was probably why he lost a second term. Clinton administration had pretty good oil prices throughout the whole thing. Decent, you know, good growth, uh, good economic times. You know, you think about Obama, he had a hundred dollar oil for a while. And then, uh, you know, so, so I, I, th- I think it, and, it, and it was like a headwind of, to it, to the, to the economy. Anyway, I just think, uh, you know, we talk about inflation, but, but these, these higher prices and energy, sh- should they be maintained or probably, uh, in a way, uh, deflationary for the economy. You know, we could see a, a ma- major headwinds going forward. But we'll yeah, see. I think that uh, definitely. I mean, but, it, it, that's definitely going to be a drag on the uh, on the economy. And you know, you look at you look at China uh, with with factories having to be closed down because they don't have enough electricity. So those goods are not going to, you know, those goods are not making it to market as quickly as they as they might mm-hmm. and uh you know we've talked about uh, well we haven't in this podcast but um, um, our listeners have heard a, a lot about supply chain of course and you know that that it's going to be a continuing issue yeah so um you kind of basically going forward let's talk about your i don't want to pigeonhole you here but uh your it sounds like you are friendly to the market yeah i think there's still upside you think there's still uh, upside you want to venture the, you look at the market's behavior you know it, it it feels like it still wants to go higher yeah and there's there's still room to run on the upside i i think there is yeah i think i think i think there is um yeah maybe it'll get to a price where the you know really it really does inhibit demand but it, we don't seem to be there yet you know, it's 77 degrees in New York today, right? Yeah. Doesn't make you nervous? That it's, that it, oh, if it's a warm, are you talking <laughs> about a warm winter? I'd love a warm winter. Yeah, I'm sure, that, I'm sure everyone would love, a, you know, be good for everybody. The market could, you know, yeah. could come off. I mean, you know, the other thing is we didn't really talk about distillate, what we did, but, you know, but diesel's tight here and it's tight in Europe. And you know where it's tight? It's tight in pad one, where it's needed. Mm. Um, so you're saying no imports? Well, gasoline, the, it doesn't work. And here, it, I don't think that we're going to be seeing huge imports. It's not, it, the ARB is open, but I, I don't know if, if you know, Europe is going to be able to supply us. They have their, you know, they have their own issues. So it's... Just... Uh, yeah, yeah. What will happen is that, you know, U.S., Refiners will increase their yields of, of distillate uh, of diesel. You know, maybe you know, maybe stem the tide. So yeah, things do things do look things do look bullish. Of course, that that in itself is, is can be bearish. But you're yeah. But I like what you're saying. I mean, you're so I'm. I see the the crazy bullish stuff, and I'm saying you know we're really close to it. You know, topping out here. But you're saying you know not not so fast. We we still have a room to run, and, and I guess you're also saying if we do come down, 
you know, assuming it's a more normal winter, it's it's going to be going down, kicking and screaming, not not a collapse. Yeah, I could. Yeah, normal winter. Yeah, very warm winter. That's a different story. Different story. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else you want to mention, Andy? That we I'm sure we missed a lot because there's so much stuff going on out there. Oh yeah. I mean, we 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 definitely missed a lot, but I think I think we actually covered a lot. Also, I mean, yeah. just I mean, each thing that's going on could be a podcast in itself. You know, particularly the what's what's happening on the uh, on the natural gas end. And, and did you know that um, part of I, I thought oat, oat demand was just horses, but apparently oat milk is huge now. Oh. I, I never knew that till I. Publish Come on, this. you you go to every coffee shop known to man. <laughs> oh, you see that they have, you know, that oat milk is, nah. uh, you know, is always a, is always offered. I get espressos. I don't get milk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it just uh, it, it, LinkedIn is great that way. You post something up and you get these comments, and you you learn stuff. So it's good. Okay, Andy, any, uh, we're good. We'll, we're good. We'll I just, as usual, um, if anybody has a question and want, wants to get a hold of us, they, you can email me at alebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com and I'm on LinkedIn. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. That's probably the best place where I uh, spend a little more time. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn and, and I, I try to post something once a week. And uh, we'll put this uh, podcast up on LinkedIn. We'll put it up on our website as well. And we'll see you next month, Andy. Okay, great.